Hey, everybody, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to make sure you're following Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. We're on Facebook under that name. We're on Instagram and Twitter under Testis Cancer. That's T-E-S-T-E-S Cancer, C-A-N-C-E-R, which I'm very sure that you know how to spell at this point. So make sure you give us a follow if you're not already so that when we post new content or post reminders for your monthly self-exams, you can be the first one to see it. Thanks so much. Let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Welcome back to It Takes Balls, presented by Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. After some technical difficulties, I'm going to blame it on the distance, but I think it was my fault not having Zoom updated. We have our first international guest. We've got Josh Robson joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Josh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you work in civil construction, but the reason we're here today is because you are a testicular cancer survivor. Tell me about when you first, when you first found out you had cancer. Um, well, first of all, I sort of, I had the lump for about 12 to 18 months before even doing anything about it. And I'd left it for too long and I was on a little bit of an adventure today with my fiance and I started having some excruciating pain from just driving to the destination we're going to. And um, the next day I went uh, to the doctors and immediately, immediately got referred for, to an ultrasound. And um, the next day um, I got told to go straight to the doctor. And, yeah, it was pretty confirmed that it was going to be te- the lump I felt was testicular cancer. Not that I'm glad to hear that you had cancer, but I'm glad to hear you waited so long because I was on the same boat. I also waited way, way too long. And uh, I kind of felt like I was a unicorn. So it's, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah, you think you think the little like you feel these little uh, aches and pains in your body, you ignore them and think they're going to go go away. But at the end of the day, they just get worse. And in my case, it was cancer, and I was slowly dying from the inside. And yeah, without even knowing. So, t- tell me a little bit about because you're the first international guest, I've, as I've mentioned. What is um, you don't have to go into too much detail, but healthcare in, in Australia. I mean, is that a universal thing for everybody? What yeah, it's the health. The health system here is. Um, I don't know too much about other parts of the world, but it's 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 A grade here. It's you you can get whatever health you need. You can get whatever help you need, and it's it's really um, really easy to have access to. And I think most of the Aussie people and the Aussie blokes, especially, just think, "Oh, we're too tough," or you know, "We'll be right." And we just soldier on where it just doesn't work like that. So I, I'm more encouraging everyone to. Go and get your health checked. Even if you don't feel any pains, like I'm super fit. I do triathlons and I work six days a week, 60 hours a week, and I wasn't pulled up at all. But realistically, reality was I was dying from the inside out without even knowing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So when you first heard that that C word after having the, the lump for so long, what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, it, was, it was very surreal. I remember sitting across from the doctor and he told me, that it was a 90% chance it was testicular cancer. It wasn't confirmed yet. They had to take a biopsy. Um, but it was just a feeling of emptiness. Like I, I'd literally gone to the pool before my doctor's appointment um, and I was, I was super fit. So the feeling was just, yeah, full of emptiness. You just think, ah, oh, can't be right, you know, because I was going along, as I said, doing everyday things, thinking I was invincible, thinking my future was certain, whereas it was the total opposite. So, it was, yeah, it was a very scary feeling, an un- unknown feeling. Were you with, you said, you mentioned your fiance, she was your fiance at the time too, or girlfriend at that yeah, time? Yeah. What was it like yeah, for her? Yeah, no, she was my fiance. Yeah, so 
Um, yeah, very daunting. We just, it was more the thing that we, we just thought that, you know, you would go in, have uh, whatever needed to be done and just deal with it. We didn't know to the extent that it was. Um, so, yeah, it was just very, it threw us both in into a sort of a world of unknown. It was just a feeling of, yeah, we have to attack and deal with it each day and see how we go. But, yeah, it was just a, we're both a very healthy couple. We'd like to stay active. So to have something like this happen just, yeah, really threw us um, into the world of unknown. Talk to me about your treatment because having a six-day work week and all those hours, it must have been, it must have thrown a wrench in that. Yeah, so we, um, so I, uh, took a day off work to go to the ultrasound and I work long hours and in civil construction, we're so busy here in Melbourne and very fortunate to be in that industry. Um, so I took a few days off just thinking that, you know, I'd get a checkup. I actually didn't know what sort of treatments there were to cancer. And I went into the Peter McCullum center in Melbourne, which is, uh, I don't know if it's known over there, but it's very well known here. And uh, they told me that at the end of the week, I was going to have surgery to remove the testy. And that's when I, was like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, the down there, they're your golden parts of, of being a man. And when you hear that one, one of your little nuts is getting taken out, it's a pretty scary feeling. So that was really scary. So I had um, I had my right testy removed and then I um, recovered for two weeks. And I, I just took that as a period to refresh, to have a break from work. And I honestly thought that I'd be getting back to the real world real soon. I just said, oh, lucky, you know, I was just getting it taken out. But in that time, I had tests, MRIs, ultrasounds, blood tests to make sure it hadn't spread. Unfortunately, it had spread. Um, it spread to, I had a mass in my stomach, spots on my lymph nodes and minor spots on my lungs. And I required a, a four-cycle chemotherapy treatment. Uh, I was very, very fortunate that my work was very supportive of that. Um, I was a foreman at the time. And they just said to me, take the time you need. You know, they, they said to me, do whatever I've got to do to get back to health. So I was extremely lucky to be in that situation that my work supported me and, and looked after me. And work weren't the only one. It was my, my closest friends, family and work. They were all there for me during that time. So, yeah. Yeah, having a support system is, is super, super helpful. Uh, you mentioned your, your chemo. Tell me about, um, you had four rounds, you said. is Over here, the four rounds is a top aside and cisplatin. Is it the same there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got offered the those two trials of treatment, not trials, but two types of chemotherapy I could go through. And one was the three cycle with, I think it's the chemical called bleomosin. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, but they said that if the last question, so we were going with that. And then the last question, my oncologist, Ben Tran, I'm, he's known all around. So Ben Tran was my oncologist. He said to me, uh, one of the last questions, are you a free diver or an athlete? And being a triathlete and really striving to be the best I can and hopefully one day represent my country or see how far I can go with the sport. Um, I said, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not elite yet, but I'm really striving to go towards that. And we had to make a tough decision to go that more fierce chemotherapy being the um, etoposide and cisplatin four cycle treatment. So we had to go with that one to, to maintain my fitness, to not damage my lungs with bleomosin. Yeah. I mean, so I read in your story and your submission and we'll get to the, um, the feats that you completed after, after treatment, but you also mentioned that you were active during treatment. Yeah. So when I got, so when I had surgery, that was, that was all good. I just took that in my stride and, um, actually thought I was work when you walk into a cancer center and you see all those pale, fragile people that are really so sick fighting for their lives um, 
I was more very fortunate and I felt lucky that I only needed surgery, but that wasn't the case. So when I was di- when I was diagnosed that it had spread and I needed chemotherapy, I, I thought to myself, I wanted to just turn this into a, like it was such a devastating thing that everything I'd worked for in triathlon and my working life and my personal life was going to go on hold for who knows how long. So I decided that instead of just being negative about it and moping around and staying in bed, I wanted to set a goal. And, you know, in, in my normal life, I have goals to, you know, finish a job quickly or in a race, finish as quickly as I can. So my goal was just to turn up every day um, and be active every day of chemotherapy. And I thought that would inspire and motivate other people and as well as myself, but the community around me. And that was my main goal with that, to just change it into a positive. Yeah. You mentioned turn up. That's what your shirt says for anybody who's watching on YouTube. Yeah. Is, that a, is that an Australian? Uh, I know we got the turn down for what and stuff over here, but what? <laughs> so I'm, um, it's funny you say that because I've started a business called Turn Up and I'm going around to, um, well, trying to spread the word, but going around to organizations, companies, sporting clubs, sharing my story about the first step is turn up. So, you know, no matter what life throws at you, if you, you know, take that first step and turn up with a positive mindset, as simple as a smile on your face, you can change anything in your life. So turn up, smile, motto in life. That's awesome, dude. That's- yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, testicular cancer in Australia. I don't know anything about it. Is it, do you know anything about like, did you know anybody else that had it or had you heard about it before you were diagnosed? Uh, no. So I, I, I'd heard of cancer and testicular cancer and obviously everyone's heard of Lance Armstrong. He had testicular cancer and that was about it. So the funny thing was that when I, um, I decided that I wanted to, bring awareness to it when I was diagnosed. I didn't want to keep it private and um, I wanted to actually share it with the world so the world could be educated on it. And it was funny how many people came out of the woodwork and said that they had, you know, testicular cancer or they had a testicle removed or they had some sort of cancer. And that's all good. Everyone's got their own um, privacy and their own sort of ways of dealing with it. But I knew nothing about it beforehand. So one of the reasons why I'm so open and creating turn up and speaking to you is to just spread awareness to testicular cancer and spread the, spread the word of cancer. And if people have a, uh, a symptom early stages, they can diagnose it earlier. You know, if I had a diagnosed mine or gone to the doctors in the first sort of month or two months, my life wouldn't have gone on hold for six months. So if I can just, you know, change a couple of lives by bringing awareness to it, well, that's, that's my aim and that's my job sort of, that's what I'm striving to do. Yeah. And that's the key. I mean, for both of us, early detection not only saves lives, but I mean, it can prevent further treatment. I mean, both of us, if we would have just done something in the beginning, we could have just had the, the nut removed and been done with it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's just, and, and the funny thing is it's, it's that simple. You know, you can, you stay on top of your health. Um, yeah. You stay on top of it. If you don't, it just gets worse and worse. And we're, we're both fortunate enough to be here talking to each other because I don't know the extent of yours and I'm interested to hear about it, but when you go into a cancer center, there's, um, there's some, there's some terrible stories in there and it's, you just feel grateful for having life, life itself. Yeah. I was definitely the youngest one by a mile, a kilometer in, uh, in my cancer center. How old were you when you were diagnosed? So I was diagnosed at 28 years old. Were you the youngest one also in, in your treatment center? Um, I, I recall one day there was a, I'm not sure how young he was, but there was a, there was a young boy there one day. And it was one of those things where you just, you know, you, 
appreciate where you are because there's always someone worse off than you. And, you know, seeing a boy, I don't know what his age was. I was battling through a pretty tough time at the, at the time of when I saw him. So I didn't actually communicate with him, but um, I would guess that he was no older than 18. So pretty scary. And you always think the situation could be worse and worse. And when I was sitting there, you know, you're just grateful that, you know, you just don't know anyone else's future or their story. So, yeah. Talk to me about your day-to-day chemo because we talked about you were active. Did you have, did that prevent any of your side effects? I mean, I'm interested to hear what kind of, um, you know, staying physical act, staying physically active, how that can affect your treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really felt, um, obviously I'm no scientist, I'm no doctor. Um, but I got told having the four cycle, um, treatment that there was going to be more chances of side effects um, and all that sort of stuff. And I have very minimal side effects now. I have slight hearing, like ringing my ears and things like that, just my ears. But during the treatment, like I just found that as soon as I got active each day and by active, I, my, I normally train seven days a week. Like my training wasn't how I normally was a triathlete. You know, it started with half an it started with, you know, 10 kilometer runs and, you know, half an hour bike rides and stuff like that to at the end of treatment, there was at the end, it was just slow jogs with walks in it, just keeping the body moving. And I'm a big believer that just with the feeling that, that I felt during it is that the blood flow. Yeah. Because I have minimal side effects now. I just feel getting that blood flow and everything like that has helped me so much in that flow and effect now. And especially the, the, the mentality, the, the positivity and the mental health during it. Um, I think I've benefited big time through that as well. Yeah. I mean, anybody listening, definitely listen to your own body, but I think there's, there's definitely truth to um, staying active and that kind of having a better, out, giving you a better outcome because it's better than sitting yeah. doing nothing. If you, if you can get up and do stuff. All right. So you had those four rounds of um, chemo and you mentioned you had like metastasis in your lungs and in your stomach. Was chemo the end of it, or did you have any surgeries after? No. So we the the, the spots on my lymph nodes and my lungs were very minor, but the, there was a, a mass in my stomach. I'm not sure it was on a lymph node or just in one of the glands or something, but it was just short the size of a tennis ball. Mm. And we were really worried that um, I was going to need surgery post chemotherapy. And it was just the mass was still there when I finished my chemotherapy, but it was under the size of a marble, which meant that it was just a high possibility of scar tissue. And I've had numerous scans uh, since then. So no, there was no other treatment um, post my treatment. It was very, very fortunate to have that because I was worried that um, trying to stay on and I wanted to get back to my normal life that if you finish, uh, I think it was 12 weeks of chemotherapy and then you had surgery after that, it's just an especially when you're so drained from chemo, it would just be another layer on top of it. Talk about um, what is the surveillance period like in Australia? Because in, in the United States, um, and I'm sure it's different for different stages, but like I had scans every three months and then it was every four months and then it was six months and now I'm on a yearly thing. Is it similar in yeah. with the medical in Australia? Yeah, so I was... Um, blood tests every three months. I think that's still ongoing. Um, scans are every three months. Uh, they're now out to six months and I'm yesterday was my 12 month anniversary of being cancer free. So now I'm now up to every six months, uh, MRI scan of yeah, going on with that. Awesome. Congratulations for that. Yeah. Thank you. It was a very special day. I didn't realize how special it was until it came. So 
Let's talk yeah, about survivorship because we me- I mentioned a little bit earlier and, and you've talked about being a, an elite athlete. You had some things that you did after treatment that not everybody does. Yeah, so that's where sort of my story got um, really interesting. So when I was turning up every day uh, during my treatment, my brother approached me. It was about midway through or start of the second cycle. He came into Peter Mac with me. And he said to me, hey, you're, I had the ambition to turn up to a race um, in the same year that I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And when he sort of heard about that and everything, he goes, I want you to train me for an Ironman. And an Ironman's a 3.8-kilometre ocean swim with a 180k bike ride with a 42.2-kilometre marathon to finish. Mm. And I've done one of them before and... I, so he wanted me to train him for one of them and I sort of said, mate, I don't think you realise what's involved, but he wanted to inspire and motivate me during my treatment. So I started coaching him to do that and then that raised my limits and my goals because I couldn't let him do something like that by himself. So I wanted to lift and he knew that's what would happen. <laughs> so I started training um, really cautiously um, during my off weeks, um, just trying to get what I could in and nine months post my chemotherapy finishing, my brother and I finished the 2022 Cairns Ironman and it was such a special experience um, and it was just so motivating to see my brother, you know, turning up, get, getting out of his comfort zone. Like he'd never done triathlon before. He bought a bike. He was rocking up to the pool multiple times a week at 5 a.m. That was motivating me during my treatment. I was writing his program. Uh, at the start, I handed him over to my triathlon coach at the end because I was busy doing my own racing. But, um just that story in itself was just so moving, inspiring and being finishing the line and being at the line together afterwards was just probably one of the most emotional, like strong bonding periods in my life. Um, seeing him finish it, like he went through black and blue to get there and it was just unbelievable. So that was, that was one of the events that um, I'd done. I, I finished in, I did, uh, I think I did four races in the two in Melbourne. We have a two XU triathlon series. I did my first race back. Um, it would have been, you know, I finished, I finished chemo in October, and I had my first race back in December. Um, I finished in ninth place in that one, so that was really cool. And I just tried to turn up every day and just just keep proving to anyone and everyone that anything's possible if you keep up your consistency and just turn up every day. So, yeah. And that's crazy. I I have a hard time walking a mile. Well, I don't know what that is in a kilometer, yeah. but. Yeah, 1.6 oh, kilometers. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, 1.6. Okay, learn something new every day. I guess maybe I should have known that. <laughs> um, I mean, that's incredible. And and what did it mean yeah. to you? And what did it mean to your brother to have done this, you know, after what you went through? Well, we, um, we've always been close. But when you sort of start growing up and coming, becoming an adult, you know, he's 24, I was 28. Um, you just sort of become an adult and you go down your own paths in life. But me getting testicular cancer and him seeing his brother get testicular cancer, it just makes you realise how important family is, how important, you know, having a brother is. And we are now closer than ever and it brought us together to train. You know, I was working every single Saturday. I was working 11-hour days, 12-hour days. And there's more to life than making money. And obviously you've got to pay your mortgage and you've got to do things like that. But you've got to have that balance and, I spend multiple times now with my brother training and we've got a bond and 
it was like, don't get me wrong, the completing the Ironman and getting that medal together was unbelievable. But it was more the journey, you know, coming out the other side of chemotherapy, going to the pool with a bald head and being bloated and we're working together. And that was the part that just gave you a massive, you know, bond and, and growth together. And the finishing the race was just cherry on top. It's an amazing story. Um, mm. Jumping back to we're going all over the timeline here, but back to yeah. uh, when you were first diagnosed, was is sperm banking a thing over there? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, sperm banked. Um, yeah, it was all new to me. I, I actually didn't know what would happen with fertility and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, put, put some sperm banking away and did all that. And it was sort of like a race against the clock um, in that period of, um, having surgery to then chemotherapy was just sort of, I think they wanted to, they assess. I think I had within realizing the results actually were bad. I think I only had 10 or 14 days to sperm bank. So it was sort of a race against the clock because they wanted to get the chemotherapy happening straight away. Is having kids something that you and your fiance wanted to do prior to your, to your diagnosis? And then this was kind of like a big question mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that was probably the toughest decision of all because obviously when you get told with the two so two paths of chemotherapy and um, she was sort of more keen for me to go down that um, three cycle um, with less side effects because obviously with the four cycles, you have more chances of side effects. And one of those side effects is being uh, low chances of fertility. Um, so it was really tough that we had to weigh up um, what one to go down. So now it's just we, we wanted a family beforehand. We wanted a family half down. And now it's just, um, yeah, wait for the timing to align. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, it all happens naturally. And, um, yeah, and go from there. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that you said you hope it still happens naturally, I assume that means every the, the plumbing still works. So that's good. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just time will tell, and yeah, give it give it the best shot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So in, I mean, so you talked a little bit about turn up. Um, I mean, in survivorship, it sounds like you're doing a lot to spread awareness. That's great. Yeah, just I just want to yeah because I think it's everyone out there. Just you think that you, oh, I know one of the things I speak from my absolute heart is the everyone out there just sort of you expect your health to be normal. You expect to wake up and your health to be there. And it's not the case when you, when you lose your health, it's the only thing you want. So I just want to bring awareness that once you lose it and then you regain it, it is so magical to have your health. And I want people to realize that without having to go through chemotherapy or something so life changing. If I had the appreciation for life I had, I have now that I did pre, you know, I just, want to spread that word and you know some people can hear some of my stories of what i went through during chemo to you know appreciate normality and that sort of stuff well this is how i can do it and i can change lives well i would hands down go through what i went through again just to do that so it's just something i feel so strongly and passionate about and i want to fulfill that and change lives that's incredible man well i'm glad you're turning up where can people yeah. uh where can people find you in australia if they want to contact you or anywhere if they if they're listening and want to contact you um, so I have a website, um, it's called turnupmotivationalspeaking.com.au. Um, it's something I've just started up, but, um, it started up and just hopefully, yeah, as I start spreading my word out there a little bit more and sharing my story and sharing some lessons I learned, hopefully the word spreads and 
I can, you know, travel the country, if not the dreams, the world one day, just sharing my story and hoping to change lives. So, yeah, it's uh, something I'm very passionate about. Shout out your doctors and uh, your hospital again there that if anybody is around you and can go to the same places. Yeah, so I was um, referred to the Peter McCallum Centre in Melbourne um, and they were just incredible. Um, my coach uh, that helped me through my time was Jet Coaching in Melbourne. He's a triathlon coach and without him, you know, I wouldn't have had that structure and accountability um, to, to turn up every day to start those first steps. So very grateful for him. But, um, yeah, Peter Mack was just, I can't, I can't thank them enough. Like they were absolutely incredible. And, you know, I think there was a few options of cancer centers to go to and that one was 20 minutes at home. And if I went through it again, I wouldn't even hesitate going to them because they were just uh, incredible. Is there anything that you want to add that, that I didn't ask about? Um, not really. I just think if life, if life throws um, curveballs at you, you just got to roll with it. Sometimes, you know, you want to dodge them and, do what's right but sometimes when you don't have a choice you, you have to persevere with and just turn up every day and and try and turn your story around and if you've got a problem in life you know it's how you respond to that problem that, that keeps you down and you know even though I was going through chemo and cancer at the time it it's it shaped who I am today and it's something that I'm I call myself Robbie one nut because that's <laughs> uh, obvious but it's something I'm so proud of and the way I held myself and it's, it's possibly, you know, if I keep pursuing what I'm doing, it's created a new life for me and it created a new life for me just because I turned into a positive. I didn't, you know, I didn't just mope down and lie in bed every day. I tried to, you know, inspire other people by helping other people. You can help yourself. So. Yeah, man. Well, I'm yeah. glad you reached out to be on the podcast because it's, it's great not only to have our first international guest, but I mean, somebody who is so passionate about it like you, that's, I'm thankful that you, you did this. No, I'm, I'm grateful that you guys had me on and I'm just, yeah, as I said, again, just love sharing my story and speaking to you over the other side of the world. I'm pinching myself that we're doing such a thing. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story and, and chat to you. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Josh Robson. Thank you so much. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. For more information and resources for your testicular cancer journey, visit testiculacancerawarenessfoundation.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.